0: What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam? Welcome to our first edition of the week to DFS Labs DraftKings. Keegan will be on here in just a moment. We will be building a roster, talking through some of our thoughts on this slate. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. One week season. There we go. We're getting our... uh, our feet under us with jm the director and, uh, you see my eyes like move to the side to try to find the where to push the button to play the music <laughs> i did um so i don't know if you've watched this show that i do on on fridays with squirrel patrol from roto grinders but um squirrel patrol is like one of the sharpest dfs players ever and he's great on air because his thoughts are really well organized and he lays them out in a way that makes sense to people listening. But he's not, we were talking about this, you know, we were talking about this before the show last week, he's not like an online personality. Like he's very just like straight line, but then they put all this like production stuff on his plate for that show. So he's always like looking around. And this last week he had to do an ad read for Ticketmaster. And so <laughs> we have a lot of fun with that. But uh, yeah, with that out of the way, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great. Got a haircut.
0: Got a haircut. It looks really good. <laughs> uh, a lot better than the mop, you know? We were talking before the show, you said it might be your first haircut since January. So it's yeah. welcome to dad life. That's, that's the way things are. Yeah, I, uh, you know, Abby and the kids got home last night and the winter bed at, at 11 and we're, Goldie was up at 6 a.m. William was up at 7. And um, by the time Abby came down at like 9.30, it looked like a bomb had gone off in the house. Yeah. It was just like... Yeah. First day back with all of their toys and everything <laughs> is in the living room. So, anyway. um, yeah, how was your uh, week one? Did it go good, bad?
1: Uh Probably pretty bad. I mean, like roster-wise, I'm happy with how I build things. But uh, I just think – I did not expect a lot of those, like, first window games to be that low scoring. Like. Yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, more in the beginning, they were very low scoring, like the first half for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, so. kind of everything was low scoring outside of Chargers and, and Dolphins. And as we yeah. kind of anticipated, there still wasn't, there weren't a lot of ways to take advantage of that. Obviously, Tua was a really nice piece. And Tyreek, you had to have um, yeah. Eckler performed at the same level as Christian McCaffrey. So you could have gone like a different direction there. But um, everybody else, all the other popular pieces from that game, disappointed. Um yeah, I had, it was, I had a weird week where it was a, a great week of play. I like Sunday morning, I, you know, having the kids just out of town. So I had some time to really assess things and be like, was, am I one to know so far in terms of play, you know, like, well, is this a profitable week? If we could play this slate a hundred times, felt really great about the play and then had a profitable weekend, but I did make, um, I, I had a roster that finished second place in one tournament and seventh in another tournament that I really loved it and almost used it as my, my main lineup in high dollar single entry. And then I, it had Puka Nakua on it. And I was like, I can't pull the trigger in high dollar single entry. So I made a couple changes to that roster. And so it was like that roster would have won first place for hundred K and it's like 29th place, which was like a nice payout, but it was a significant difference in um, in money. So one of those weeks, we kind of like, you come out of it and you're like, oh, and, and it was, I took a nap Sunday afternoon and woke up and kind of checked and I was like, oh nice, I, like I'm in profit on everything. And yeah. then it was like 30 minutes later that I realized that my best roster in these other tournaments was the one that I thought about using in my main. And I mean, it was what I used in my main. I just made a couple changes to that roster. And so then it went from being like, oh nice, profitable week one to be like, oh, it could have been oh. soon. <laughs> um, so yeah, like Monday and Monday and Tuesday were like conscious work to put that behind me emotionally so that it doesn't affect. Me this next week because it's like that happened and and there will be other chances for big payouts. So, um, but I'll miss out on those if I'm kind of living in the past and worrying about that too much. So yeah, um, weird week one in that it was a good week one, but like a hard hard week one coming out of it. So, um, yeah, but yeah, with that, have you had a chance to um, dig into this slate much this week.
1: Yeah, I mean I've given a couple of looks. Um, I haven't really dug in deep. Uh, I had, you know with yesterday with uh, my job interview and everything. Job interview. Yeah. So,
0: Um, yeah. So, and for any of you who are newer to this show, that's kind of the concept of this show is uh, Keegan. When did you start playing DFS?
1: Uh, Either 2020 or 2021.
0: Okay. Probably more seriously in 2021, like really paying attention. Like I, and I started in 2013 and started taking it seriously in 2014. So kind of the vibe here is for Keegan to be a proxy for the audience who might be more casual players or newer players and be able to, ask the questions that you guys might ask and, and be looking at things on rosters that you guys might be looking at. And for me to kind of chime in with, again, I do this full time and, and know all the teams and players really well. And that's part of my job to do that. Uh, and I've been playing DFS at a, at a successful rate for a long time. And so be able to kind of bounce back my thoughts from that perspective. Um, so yeah, with that, I guess we might as well go ahead and open up this roster build Uh, interesting week. So I I broke this down in the angles email. If you're not an OWS member, the angles email is free every week. You just sign up for OWS free. You also get free game breakdowns every week and some other cool things, but the uh, angles email, we take a top down view of the slate. And one of the things like the thing that stood out to me this week, obviously we have Kansas city and Jacksonville, which is going to stand out. We have Seattle at Detroit and that game was a 48 to 45 game last year. And, um, I've added this context a couple times. Last year, when the Dolphins and Chargers played, Tua threw for 145 yards. The Dolphins scored 17 points. Right, and then threw for over 400 yards this last week, and they scored 36 points. So, what what happened last year isn't predictive, but it is still instructive. We can look at this and be like, okay, Seattle and Detroit can certainly shoot out at a high level. Uh, and then we have some other spots that are that are almost equally interesting to me: Buffalo against Las Vegas. I think the Buffalo is going to want to have a statement win here where they just try to put up as many points as they can. Obviously they might get in their own way or Las Vegas might get in their way, but that's going to be their goal. Baltimore and Cincinnati is probably going to be competitive and low scoring, but it has potential to be high scoring. So we have to keep that one in mind. Uh, Tennessee last year faced the highest opponent pass play rate in the NFL. They're pretty much impossible to run on. And so we should expect the chargers to be throwing the ball quite a bit this week. And that opens a lot of opportunities for upside. And then San Francisco they've scored 30 plus points in seven of their last nine regular season games. And the Rams looked really good this last week. So uh, the only weakness of the San Francisco defense is the pass defense. Obviously the Rams will have to pass a lot. So there's a chance that that game is more competitive than people would expect. And either way, San Francisco is going to score a lot of points. So yeah, there are some offenses with Buffalo, San Francisco, Jacksonville, Kansas city, the chargers that, you know, really some potential this week for points kind of different from last week. So um yeah, those are my sort of macro thoughts. I'll, I'll toss it over to you for anything you want to add to that before we start building.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of have the same look. I didn't really even look at the the Vegas-Buffalo uh, game. You know, I don't know what it was for me, but something has kind of thrown me off of Josh Allen. It could have been from last year, just some bias there. But uh, I just haven't really been looking at him the same, um, maybe since like halfway through last year. Um, I was really on him a lot in the beginning either like last year the year before that but um kind of recently more i've kind of like tilted my viewpoint
0: yeah when one of the things with josh allen is he's probably not going to get a 40 pointer like he's not going to be the guy you absolutely had to have in order to win but we also know that 30 pointers are relatively rare on any given week and so piling up once we kind of crack that 30 point threshold i worry less about salary multipliers and 30 points would be about 4x for josh allen and so it's just a great spot for – and I, I almost never play Stefan Diggs because uh, now if we you know click on game logs, we just see 2023 which is one game. But if we look at last year's game logs, you'll see with Stefan Diggs always scoring like those 18 to 22, 25 points, a lot of 27-pointers, some 30-pointers, but he never goes for like those 40-pointers. So when you have a slate with like a Justin Jefferson on it, a Tyree kill on it, I want to go to those guys instead of Stefan Diggs because like if those guys get 40 and Diggs gets 29 – that's still, a huge gap, and you needed that other guy. But this week, Jamar Chase in a tough matchup. I'm in Ross St. Brown, very similar in that he rarely goes for more than like 25, 26 points. Uh, so Diggs, and anytime Diggs hits, Josh Allen hits. So I love that because you get like 1600 in salary basically that you're getting correct all at once. So, yeah, I think it's a really interesting spot, but I'm guessing that's not where we're going to start this build. So, where do you want to start this particular oh, build? I think about
1: three week. places that I wouldn't mind starting. Uh, either the Seattle Detroit game or the Chiefs Jags game. Either or is okay with
0: me. Let's well, uh, let's go ahead and talk about both those spots real quickly, and I'll just mention a couple interesting things on each. So, Seattle, if you go through their game logs for like a decade, almost all their final scores are close games. And they're either close, low-scoring games or close, high-scoring games. And the way that they play on offense, just in Pete Carroll's system and and his mentality and how he views being the best way to win games, the way they play on offense is very much dictated by what the opponent does. So for years, I've preached, never play Seattle pass game pieces unless you expect the opponent to score points. Never play Seattle pass game pieces unless you're playing pieces from the other side because they only have blow-up games when they're forced to get aggressive by the other team scoring. So this game will obviously have to be driven by Detroit. And that's the way I'm I'm looking at it, right? But Detroit can clearly score points against Seattle. So on this week, that's a less critical element to pay attention to than other weeks, because this week you probably would be playing Seattle pieces with Detroit pieces. But that's just a, a reminder to anybody watching is or listening is that when you play a Seattle pass game piece, you want to be playing a piece from the other side because it has to be a game environment in which the other team is scoring points for these Seattle pieces to really pop off. Uh, or almost has to be, and so uh, yeah, I think that spot's very interesting. Obviously, I think Goth is interesting. I think Geno is interesting in terms of like yeah, you know, we've got these eight K quarterbacks who could put up thirty points, but also we have these much cheaper guys who could put up twenty five to even thirty points, right? So I think that's interesting. And then the Kansas City Jacksonville game, it's it's a weird one because we saw last week when Kelsey was out, they just spread the ball around like so many guys got targets, so many guys got opportunities. And so it really is sort of a, obviously somebody could score multiple touchdowns and, and be a really valuable piece, but in terms of what we can predict in any way, it's like Kelsey and Mahomes, right? And then on the Jag side, there's five guys and probably any given week, one of those five guys is going to have a score that you really wanted to have among Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, and Calvin Ridley, and Evan Ingram, and Travis Etienne, and maybe two of those guys. So yeah, it's, that one's an interesting spot too, because it's like, you look at this offense, and you say, probably one of these five guys is going to be on, on tournament winning rosters this week. But you you don't ever really know which of those five guys it'll be. So um, yeah, that's just kind of like my, that doesn't lead us to any answers necessarily. But that's sort of my macro view on, on both of these spots. So uh, if we start with kind of anchoring things with a quarterback uh, with a passing attack. I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Just kind of any of these four we go with kind of determines what we do next on our roster. So um, with that, yeah. Which one do you want to start with? You want to start with the, with Herbert? I mean, not Herbert with um, Lawrence. is cheaper than I was really registering 6,700. You want to start with Lawrence or Mahomes yes. or Goff or Gino?
1: I'd, uh, I'd like to start with Lawrence here. All
0: right. I, I like that. Cause he's in this, it's, it's, we talked about this with defenses, how you kind of start from the bottom up. Most people start from the bottom up and they hit that like 2,800 defense that looks really attractive. And then they just stop going up. And there might be a defense that's 3,100 that's even more attractive. I think you can do that with Goff this week and Gino this week. You're not say that they can't outscore Lawrence, but it would be easy to stop at Goff and be like, oh man, I'm, I'm saving at quarterback. And then it's like Trevor Lawrence is just a few hundred more than him and has a higher ceiling. So, um, yeah, I like that starting point a couple ways we could do this next i mean last week what did evan ingram score last week but last week travis each had a pretty solid game for uh you know what's become a thin position zay jones had a great game calvin ridley had a great game so pairing lawrence with two guys here isn't a poor call especially because what we're trying to do is win a tournament and so if we're wrong on the game environment then we're wrong on this roster you know but like the likeliest way for Trevor Lawrence to be the tournament winner is for two of his guys to hit. And I think we can even go ETN and a pass catcher if we wanted, just because the Jags could score five touchdowns and ETN gets two Lawrence throws for three. You get the pass catcher who scores two. Um, But yeah, I I mean, Christian Kirk is interesting to me this week because he has the same, same role as Zay Jones, right? He's going to have some blow up games and nobody's going to want to play him after I think it was a two target, three target game last week. Um, So Christian Kirk is interesting to me. Calvin Ridley is still very interesting to me. Zay Jones is always interesting. Ingram's interesting. Uh, but yeah, i throw two on myself on most of my Lawrence rosters. But I also, I mean, I'll have some skinny stacks. So we can go either way here um, on this one.
1: Um, I'd like to grab Christian Kirk here for the second guy to pair up with uh, Lawrence. Yeah, this
0: is a really unique build. And what, what makes it interesting even more is we probably... Well, let me think about that. I was going to say, we probably have to have Kelsey. That's the way most people are going to think though. Uh, I was going to say, we probably have to have Kelsey and then that really restricts our salary. Right. And so then that makes some of our choices for us. And we kind of start getting some buttons pushed for us, but we don't necessarily have to have Kelsey. And what I mean by that is There's a positional value of like Kelsey doesn't have to hit 4X because he's at tight end. And so if he scores 20 and all the other tight ends score 8 to 10, that's still a big edge. But also if he scores 20, we can probably spend that salary better elsewhere. And this could be a shootout with Kelsey scoring 20 points, you know, and then they spread the ball around all these other guys. And maybe there's no, it would be a super unique roster to have Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Christian Kirk, And no Kansas City Chiefs players on the roster, and most people who look at the roster wouldn't understand that. But we can actually tell the story of the Jags winning thirty-eight to twenty-eight, scoring five touchdowns, or thirty-eight to twenty-seven. Right, Kansas City scores three touchdowns, and the you know Kelsey doesn't hit at his price tag, and none of these cheaper guys end up hitting. So yeah, I could go. I could actually go either way there. Um, We could throw in Kirk, and then decide if we want to do a a bringback. And with the bringback, we could do. Try to guess on Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore or one of these guys. I, I will say, like Andy Reid talked this week about like drops are not an issue for Kadarius Tony. He's he has great hands. That's one of his features. Um, and you know, they need him to be part of this often. So it wouldn't surprise me if they proactively try to get him going in this game just to like boost his confidence. But I'm also fine not playing Kadarius Tony. Like I'll have a little bit of him this week, but not a ton.
1: Uh yeah, actually I was thinking the same thing the second you said that, Andy Reid said something about his drops and how the, he doesn't, it's not a problem. I was like, well, they're probably going to pass to him to boost the confidence because the entire internet is killing that right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and Mahomes, you know, Mahomes was talking about he's the guy that we need and, like, we're going to rely on him. And and obviously, like, you're going to say those things to boost the player's confidence, but it does boost the player's confidence more if you then come out the next game you're like, let's scheme up some looks for this guy. Um, and, I, I mean, hard to see him catching more than, like, four or five passes, but he's relatively inexpensive. He'll be low owned. And on four or five passes, he can go for 75 yards and two touchdowns. Like he has that in his range of outcomes. So yeah, people aren't going to be on Christian Kirk. People aren't going to be on Kadarius Tony. We get exposure to this popular game with some of the cheaper players in it who are capable of outperforming their salary. Uh, in terms of what could win us a tournament, this is definitely an interesting setup uh, this week. Um Another note just for for people to keep in mind, um, Andy Reid also talked about what a great feel Rasheed Rice has for space in a zone defense and that they need to create more concepts to leverage Rasheed Rice's ability to find those spaces in the zone. So uh, he's another guy who, you know, it's going to be hard to predict these Kansas City pass catchers, but in terms of just like taking shots on them and recognizing that some of them might hit on some of these weeks, you might need them. Uh, He's a guy who's interesting to me in in large field play. Um, All right. So where do you want to go next on this roster? We have kind of all of our options open in terms of position games, uh, what we want to do next year.
1: I kind of want to look at the defense just so we can get a nice, like base on what our salary is. Cool.
0: Cool. A couple that stand out to me, the jets at 2,700, obviously on the road, but you know, we saw how hard it was for Josh Allen and the bills against the jets. This is a phenomenal defense uh, and the, one major concern is Zach Wilson could give Dallas a lot of short fields and Dallas scores points that take away from the, the Jets defense just from that. But uh, at 2,700, I, I think they are attractive. And then if we wanted to pay up, the Cowboys are obviously in a great spot Will would be more popular than a typical uh, 4K defense, but they're going against Zach Wilson at home. The Jets are implied to score only 14 points. So not a lot of faith in in Zach Wilson out there.
1: Do you think the Cowboys defense is going to be popular because of how many points they scored last time?
0: Yeah, to an extent, to an extent. And, you know, it's it's going to be a weird balance because nobody wants to pay 4k for defense. So I do think that as you get deeper into the week, everyone's scared of looking like a fish. Nobody wants their roster to be the roster that people are looking at. And they're like, what a dumb play, you know? So like, there is going to be that Back and I, we, I can identify this because it goes on in my own head, right? And it probably goes on in your head where you're like, "Oh yeah, the Cowboys should do well," and then you're like, "Yeah, but they scored a bunch of points last week," and then it's like, "And they're 4K," so everyone will be thinking about them. But I do think that a lot of people will kind of talk themselves off of them, so they'll be popular, but not like Washington defense popular because people don't want to pay that much for defense. And you know, there was a there was a lot of talk from the Cowboys this off season about wanting to be the greatest defense of all time like for this year for them to be one of those legendary defenses so not to say that just because they had one legendary game that they are that but that does like you know their talent is at the top of the league them and the 49ers um you know right behind them the jets honestly but them and the 49ers are the defenses that are most feared in the league so it is still it's a sharp play even if they put up 6 points last week um they might honestly be more popular if they put up six points last week because then people wouldn't be like they wouldn't have that extra thing to talk themselves off of, of like well i'm just kind of chasing the points from from last week
1: so uh one thing we talked about actually last week as well was uh the texans defense and how we looked at the game log and uh, they had not gone negative uh once last year yeah i think by the texans against the colts
0: and it was almost all um it was almost all like six points seven points eight points you know what's funny? My um, my Puka Nakua roster it was it was Nakua and the Texans defense and David Najoku, and uh, and I made one switch from Puka to Marvin Mims, and then I made a variation off that where I was like ah, I'm not playing the Texans defense in my high dollar, and so I moved from Najoku down to Isaiah Likely and from the Texans defense up to the Seahawks. So I lost 30 points in all from from those three switches. Um, but yeah, I had plenty of Texans defenses last week, just not, not in the place where it mattered most. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting spot. You know, like Anthony Richardson, the Colts are going to keep the ball on the ground, and it's not likely that the Texans jump out to a big lead and force a bunch of passes through the air. Uh, so that limits opportunities for sacks, for turnovers, but also Anthony Richardson is probably going to make one to two mistakes per game. I think that the Texans are a little pricey for their likeliest range of outcomes, because their likeliest range is kind of another one of these seven to nine point games, but they probably get that. Like they're not going to hurt you. Um, and I think they will be low owned because they're only 400 less than the Cowboys. So no, I, I don't mind that play. We're taking probably a we We have fewer paths to upside than spending a little bit more for the Cowboys, but the Texans are definitely in play for me this week.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was just wanted to pick your brain on that and see what your opinion was.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I guess we can lock in like pencil in the Cowboys right now. And then that gives us a sense of our salary for the rest of the roster. But there's a lot of flexibility to move down from our, our 4k defense. I think for, especially for hand builders, you know, if you're doing MME, you can just be like, okay, I want 20% Cowboys defense. And they are going to force that into your builds. But if you're hand building everything, there can be that tendency to be like, yeah, I want some Cowboys defense. And then on every single roster where you have them, it's like, uh, I could free up some salary and do this somewhere else. Right. You end up with no Cowboys defense. So I think if you're hand building, it's important to be cognizant of that and not to say that the Cowboys will be the the defense you had to have even right. Maybe they disappoint and score like nine points, but just to say that they could score 15, 18, 20 points. And if you think of a 4k wide receiver who scores 20 points, like what that does for your roster. So you got to just keep it in mind and, and, be willing to leave it on some builds. But yeah, we do have flexibility. It's our first build of the week to move off of them as well. Um, and, you know, if we go cheap at tight end, we're not going Kelsey. So it, to me, strategically, it almost compels us to go cheap at tight end, unless we're going like Evan Ingram and building it into this game stack, which which we're not. It almost compels us to go cheap at tight end because another, like, like Mark Andrews in his game environment against the Bengals is probably not, going to put up like a score that separates from all the Kelsey rosters, you know? So what we really want is to find that like 12 to 15 pointer at the cheap end and maybe Kelsey scores 20 at a high price and we score 15 at a low price and and really close the gap on those Kelsey rosters.
1: Okay, cool. Um, Is there anybody like in particular that you are interested in on the cheaper end?
0: So on a week like this, where there's a lot of offenses that I expect to score touchdowns, I want to get a lot of my practice builds so far just have like lots of Buffalo pieces, Detroit pieces, Seattle pieces, Jacksonville pieces, Kansas city pieces, because again, upside and, you know, you look through tournament winning rosters. They always have touchdowns throughout those rosters. And, and in fact, DraftKings sets up pricing on the average player, the typical player, they're going to hit four X their salary. If they score one touchdown they're going to score more than four extra salary if they score two touchdowns. So obviously they can have an outlier game in terms of production, but a typical production range, they need the touchdowns to really be those valuable pieces on your roster. So uh, games where more touchdowns are scored increase the likelihood of one player scoring multiple touchdowns. So with that, I've I've had a lot of Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox on my roster so far. Uh, Dawson Knox thirty one hundred, Dalton Kincaid thirty three hundred. Kincaid's basically their number three wide receiver, and and you know Gabe Davis might not truly be their number two. Kincaid might be their number two. Uh, I think it was five targets this last week. Knox had four targets. Since they're using Kincaid in more of a wide receiver role, they're able to keep Knox and Kincaid on the field at the same time. So Knox still has a role. Kincaid has more upside. Um, I also like Luke Luke Musgrave. You know, I I don't know if you saw the play this last week where he was wide open down the sideline and like caught the ball and fell down. But it was – there was a – Jordan Love mishandled the snap. He like dribbled the – football back into his hand. And then uh, Luke Musgrave was wide open, caught the ball, had a cramp and fell down like <laughs> close to the end zone. So the whole thing had the look of a busted play, but in reality it was like, he was that wide open because of the play design and it was a play designed to go to him. So that stood out to me in terms of, here's a rookie tight end in his first game and they have plays drawn up to get him wide open downfield. And they're calling those plays in, in these games. So Luke Musgrave, um, no Christian Watson again this week, almost certainly. So uh, Luke Musgrave, another guy who is interesting to be down here.
1: That's actually like the only time that I've been looking at, like on the the cheaper side this week. Again, I haven't really looked at the slate that much, but this is like I didn't even consider Kincaid or Knox. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- that game, just the touchdowns are going to be scored if I'm not getting and, – and also this is interesting. This I would like – if you're listening to this, write it down so you don't forget it. Uh, this will be, if you're a subscriber, this will be in the player grid this week. But all four times last year when Gabe Davis had a score that was like satisfying to excellent, anywhere in that range, all four times that he hit, Stefan Diggs also hit and Josh Allen also hit. Uh, in other words, Gabe Davis hit in games where the Bills were just scoring a lot of points, right? So if you play Gabe Davis solo, it's almost pointless. Cause if you're getting Gabe Davis, right. You're probably getting Stefan Diggs right. As well. Josh Allen, right. As well. So you want to take advantage of that. So yeah, since I'm not going to play like S- Gabe Davis solo and I'll probably play Josh, like, you know, maybe it, like some Steph Diggs and, and Jared Goff, like a cheaper quarterback. But for the most part, if I'm playing Diggs, I'm going to play Josh Allen. So I'm not going to have a lot of one-offs of the other pieces on the bills. So I want to get some James Cook, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox on on my other rosters. Just to have exposure to that offense.
1: Okay, awesome. Yeah, that being said, let's. Uh, I'm cool with going with Kincaid. Cool, and that's going to free up our
0: our salary quite a bit now too. Where we've got 6,400. Uh, running back is an interesting position this week because we've got like. There's no there's very few workhorse backs left in the NFL. So like the guys you're paying seven K for, for the most part, are actually just guys who are getting the same workload as the cheaper guys. And you're just betting on them having a really good game. You know, like Bijan Robinson put up, you know, a solid game last week, but he had I mean, he's not always going to have as limited touches as he had. But what, he had like 11 touches or something like that. Um, and and there's going to be, okay, yeah, yeah 10 attempts, six receptions, so 16 touches, but the 10 carries, those receptions aren't always going to be there because Atlanta's not a team that passes the ball a ton. Uh, Saquon Barkley never topped, like, 25 points on DraftKings last season, and so you're basically, you are know, paying 8K for a guy who are like, hopefully he has the best game he's had in this offense, you know, <laughs> like, so I feel like a lot of these more expensive guys, the name value is there but the upside isn't that much different from, uh, or their 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 chance of hitting the upside aren't that much higher than the cheaper guys or better running backs. They're going to do it a little bit more often, but the workload is kind of the same. So yeah, a lot of these more expensive, obviously Christian McCaffrey, very much in play. Austin Eckler is going to get a lot of pass game work, but it's going to be tough for him to have a monster game against that Tennessee run defense. He probably has one of his like 22 to 24 pointers. So, um, and then Tony Pollard taking on the tough, the tough jets defense. So yeah, I don't mind going down to kind of these, these less expensive guys. There's opportunity to get exposure to the lions offense through Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery. There's opportunity to get exposure to the Seattle offense through Kenneth Walker and just say, you know, if, if there's a bunch of touchdowns scored, maybe Walker gets involved in that. Um, there's uh, your dad's guy, Cam Akers down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We <laughs> want to go in that direction. Uh, yeah. So, any thoughts on what you want to do at running back on this roster?
1: Um. Okay. What do you think about Tyler Algier?
0: Yeah, Tyler Algier is interesting, right? Because it's it is a split backfield, so like his touches are going to be limited. It's not like he's gonna have a game where, where he's suddenly seeing twenty five touches because Bijan Robinson is gonna cut into that workload. But he's certainly capable. I mean. Uh, Let's see how many carries he had this last week. It was – so 15 attempts. Obviously, he scored the two touchdowns, 15 attempts, three catches. I would think he's typically going to be in the 15-touch range. And then, obviously, if there were a game in which the Packers jumped out to a lead, the Falcons aren't able to run as much as they want, then Algiers' touches go down even more. But um, he can certainly hit, right? If we're talking about who can win you a tournament, he can hit. Damian Pierce, I actually – wasn't thinking about him early in the week. And then as I was, I was doing my DFS interpretations uh, Damian Pierce started standing out as a guy who's going to see 20 plus touches in a, in a soft matchup um, or a, a relatively soft matchup. So yeah, any of these guys, like I'm not going to argue against any of these guys who can get, you know, 15 to 20 touches down here in this range, AJ Dylan, uh, Aaron Jones will probably be out. I don't love AJ Dylan as a player, but uh, there's opportunity there for him to hit. James Connor gets all these touches on a bad team, but those touches can eventually matter. Um, You know, he had a lot of like 18 to 22 pointers last season. And, and that's going to happen again throughout this year. And Jameer Gibbs, honestly, you know, he can have a 15 touch game and score 30 points. Uh, So any of these running backs are in play and I don't really have like a strong case against, against any of them.
1: Cool. Um, Let's go a little bit cheaper so we can see what we can get upside on wide receiver wise. Uh, let's go.
0: You know, we can, Zach Moss is going to be starting for the um, the Colts this week. He's back healthy and he's 4,700. He's not going to catch a lot of passes, but he's going to get 15 to 18 touches. And if he scores a touchdown, you know, like if we really want to just say, this is a thin position, let's see what we can get at wide receiver. That opens up a lot for us.
1: Sweet. I love that. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah, now we've got, you know, it's interesting because other people would look to save at defense to kind of free up that extra salary for wide receiver. We've saved at running back, which pe- fewer people are going to do, which allows us to still have the Cowboys on a defense with excellent wide receiver pieces. Um, so, yeah, you know, we could go like a Steph Diggs, Jerry Judy type route, or we could go down in price and go like Amon Ross St. Brown and, uh, we'd have to save a little bit more than, um, yeah, we don't We're 100 off for getting Ross, St. Brown and DK Metcalf, which would be a really oh, interesting pair, yeah, cool. but we could kind of play around with this roster. I and mean, we'd go from Dalton Kincaid down to Dawson Knox. We save 200 and that actually gives us a roster that tells a comprehensive story that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah let's let's go ahead and do that because i actually really like what we can talk about here with this as well which is in this spot then we're betting on the Lions scoring points which forces seattle to get aggressive but then we also recognize we don't need gino or jared goff in that bet because trevor lawrence isn't much more expensive than them right and so we can actually place both bets at once we can say both these games shoot out But Trevor Lawrence is more mobile. He's going to get more rushing yards. He's probably going to pass for more yards, more opportunities for touchdowns. And so we kind of get this like one, two punch where it's like we're betting on Kansas city and Jacksonville going off and people might not realize it, but if DK Metcalf is going to hit, it it has to be in a game where Detroit's going off and Seattle's being forced to be aggressive. So like we're betting on Detroit, Seattle going off. And if both of those games go off, we're so well covered here. And then all of a sudden we've got Cowboys defense and most people a lot of people won't be able to find the way to pay up for, especially with this much upside on the roster. And then we've got Dawson Knox, hopefully soaking up touchdowns on a bills team that can score four or five touchdowns this week and kind of wrap it up with like one week piece in Zach Moss, but he's capable of scoring 20 points and he unlocks a lot on this roster. And, you know, we can go through it. Travis, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence plus Travis Etienne plus Christian Kirk could go for 90 points. Um Kadarius Tony probably can't score 30, but he can score 20. Zach Moss can't score 30, but he can score 20. Uh, DK Metcalf can score 40. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown can score 35 to 40. Dawson Knox can score 18 to 20. The Cowboys' defense can score 20 to 30. So, like, you know, what we want on tournament rosters is we don't want too much weight on one player. We don't want like, okay, I've got I'm I'm taking these 3K guys that might get 10 points, and that frees me up to get these high upside expensive guys right it's like well if one of those high upside expensive guys doesn't have his monster game that roster can't get first place what we want is those rosters where every spot we're like and this guy can hit for a big game and this guy can hit for a big game this guy can hit for a big game and that's what puts us in the best position to win tournaments so yeah it's uh this is a really cool roster we have a four players from kansas city jacksonville two players from detroit seattle and then um you know we fill it in with with nice pieces like sharp sharp pieces from there that can significantly outperform their salary in uh, Zach Moss, Dawson Knox, and the Cowboys' defense. Uh, you got any other thoughts on this before we close
1: this out? Yeah, I mean, that and the fact that it's just so different. Because, I mean, you got to think we also don't even have um, – I'm running a blank. Tied in, Kansas City. Chelsea. Kelsey.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and what's for even more cool about it that uh, if you're a newer DFS player, this isn't something that you're used to thinking about, but it's pretty critical in tournaments, and that is – if Christian Kirk, like we know Christian Kirk's not going to be popular because he had three targets last week. So if he's hitting, if he's helping us win a tournament, there are going to be popular players on the Jags that he's taking points away from. So all the people who are rostering Calvin Ridley, they're probably not getting the ceiling game from Calvin Ridley because those points are going to Kirk instead. Everybody who's rostering Zay Jones, they're not getting the ceiling game from Zay Jones because those points are going to Christian Kirk instead. So in other words, if we get our Christian Kirk bet correct, we're not just helping our own roster, but we're hurting a lot of other rosters around us, which significantly increases our, our chance of a first place finish. And a lot of times people think of low owned players in a vacuum. They're like, oh, this guy's low owned. So If he hits, that's great for me. And it is, but that's going to win you a tournament far less often than low owned players who are taking away points from high owned players. And then same thing with Kadarius Tony. People will be betting on Travis Kelsey. If Tony has a ceiling game, then that takes away points from Travis Kelsey and hurts those rosters. So it's like other rosters are going down and we're going up at the same time, which is, which is how we win tournaments is kind of continuing to shed the rosters we're competing against on our way up. And then probably a popular pairing in, in Amon Ra and Metcalf, but not everybody's going to have that paired with Kansas city, Jacksonville, and nobody's going to have it paired with our bet on Kansas city, Jacksonville. So we don't really have to worry about the ownership there. It's just a sharp play grab the upside there. So, uh, yeah, really sharp roster, especially for a Thursday build um, in terms of a lot of times our Thursday builds, we finish them and it's like, yeah, and we could push around these pieces and we could still do these things. But this is one that like this would be ready to go in a tournament. And wouldn't need any changes in terms of um, thinking through, OK, well, maybe this is a better way to play. Maybe this is a better way to play. It's just a sharp, sharp build all the way around. Um, so, yeah, with that, we are going to get out of here. We will see you on Saturday. I don't know, Keegan, if you and I are recording tomorrow or Saturday, but uh, I don't even know if I filled you in on this. We had a FanDuel show on a FanDuel DFS lab that, that Mike and I forget who it is uh, are doing on Fridays, but we'll have our Saturday show that we'll record tomorrow or Saturday. So with that, we will see you guys back here on Saturday. We'll see you on one week season throughout the weekend. And we will see you at the top of the leaderboards in week two.